This is the word of the Lord. Let's heed it. Let's hear it. Starting in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 6 through 12. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we are not idle, we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat any, anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Continuing in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, I'm going to start at verse 8. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in, in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life the, that God has given to him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Continuing in verse 11, chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls on the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the crowd, the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones of the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not from your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Psalm 72. 
Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound to the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, and nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and a violence, he re- and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains. May it wave. May it be fruit like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed by him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. This is the word of God. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church, and thanks for enduring that reading of the scripture. Um, I shouldn't call it enduring. Y'all need it. Um, And um, there is probably no topic um, covered in the Bible um, like money, like economy, and economics, rather. And uh, I just had a hard time picking one. I had like seven or eight of them when I started. And um, so I boiled it down as far as I could go. And if I had seven and eight, there are probably 20 you could pick from. So um, let's try to dig in and get through this. And um, as we continue in our sermons, God blank America. Y'all be patient with me because I'm using this too and the Bible, so it's going to be kind of cumbersome up here for me. Capitalism is an economic system. And no one really has a precise definition of it. But there is some agreement that elements of capitalism will include private ownership of how things are produced, the creation of goods and services for profit or income, the accumulation of capital, that means getting as much stuff as you can, competitive markets, voluntary exchange and wage labor. In America, it's safe to say we have a mixed economy with government, public stuff, and private stuff balancing back and forth. To get that paragraph took me a lot because I don't know much about economics. I like to talk about it. With all that smart stuff about capitalism that I stole off the Internet out of the way, because, again, I'm no economist and even an aficionado of economic things, 
I don't know about you, but I'm just the kind of person who, who likes the temporary feeling of having money on the 1st and 15th of the month. I just want to make sure I have enough money in bank to pay my bills and hit the red box to get a new video game. And when things go bad, hope. I said hope that I got some money somewhere. Well, let me be honest. Hope that my wife Kelly has somehow put and found money somewhere. But I want you to recognize if you are anything like I am or extremely serious or saddened by your personal finances and job situation, I want you to recognize some of what the Bible declares and warns about earning and not earning, working and not working, prospering and languishing in this American system of economics, capitalism. And God bless America. Because capitalism, unlike many other economic systems, seems like an open door to what appears to be a land of cash opportunities, of the American dream of moolah, of quan, of bling, to be as rich as you can and want to be, of working hard and hard enough to supply for your family, of getting paid for what you do and who you are to do and buy what you like, to save, to invest, to spend, to wear it and drive it, because if you've got money, you can have what your money will the land of generosity, the foundations and in-kind gifts and tax write-offs and matching gifts of nonprofit status of a government with a really big credit card. But God curse America because it is a land of class, of bust, of collapses, of foreclosures, debt, glass ceilings, pyramids, and emptying your bank account promises, greed of unreal estate, devaluing and using and enslavement of whole groups, of, of hiding what you have from the government, the IRS. It's a place of poverty, of never being happy or being content, the rat race, the treadmill, economic oppression, conspiracies to get rich, and of course, the man. When it comes to capitalism in this country, all we can say is God help America. Because like any other economic system, whether socialism or free market libertarianism, we are but human beings trying to put it all and bring it all together with great hope and ambition and belief that this will make us and then those around us better. Let me say this. There is no winning system of economics. Each has its strengths and weaknesses. And I'll leave all of that stuff up to those conversations late at night. But maybe you had too much to drink or you're too giddy or in the morning stoked on caffeine to argue of all that stuff. But this is where you and I live and work and earn and don't work and don't earn. So I can't and won't tell you that the Lord is calling for us to end capitalism necessarily. But I will also not tell you that capitalism is God's biblical economic system either. But I do believe in his word. The Bible is calling us to do justice in capitalism, to do mercy in capitalism, and to seek righteousness in capitalism. Look with me at the second Thessalonians passage again. Says this. I'm going to jump down. 
to verse 10. For even when we were with you, these are the apostles, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And then if we turn to the Ecclesiastes passage in chapter 11, cast your bed of bread upon many waters, for you will find it after many days. Let me jump down to verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the Spirit, comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening with not, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. The Scripture is pretty clear. Whatever economic community you find yourself in, in our case, capitalism, you and I, barring disability or being too young or too old, must work in that system, that you should do your part, that you should not or are not created by God to just sit around and do nothing and expect to be considered a contributor or a human being with dignity or get a chance to reap or take from the benefit of that economic community. Now, this applies to the rich and the poor. The Lord is calling us to be in community by working toward and in that communities or our countries and economic systems good and not taking from others unjustly. Now, this is not about not giving freely to people. This is about not freeloading off of others by not giving your hand or head or creativity or beauty or whatever you have to give to it. And an aside here, you know what God told the original man and woman, Adam and Eve, when sin came into the world? Work is going to be hard. Work is going to be work. That's what he said. And so Ecclesiastes is saying, 11 is saying, you might have to work or work on many jobs, and yes, jobs that suck or stink or are hard and not your thing. You have no idea what it will mean in the end, but what is true and right in the meantime, that while today is still called today, work on something at home with the kids or in the yard or at the job. Some of us are waiting for the perfect job thing to come along. Living off others in the meantime, but it's gone from mercy to freeloading for a pipe dream. Get to work. Get a job. Work. Even if you're working hard, your job right now is actually finding a job. Work hard finding a job, right? Now, students, your job right now is learning. Don't freeload off whoever's money you are spending for tuition, even if it's the government's. Give it your all, and some may have part-time work-study jobs, good, but when you get out of school, trust me, you may not be able to do exactly what you want or what you thought you'd be when you grow up. Don't be discouraged towards unjust living and not work. Work towards in something somewhere. You do not know what may or may not work out or when and how. Some of us are taking time to find ourselves. You've been found. I see you. If you can tell somebody you're trying to find yourself, you've been found. Found freeloading and living below your work potential. 
Many of us are not underemployed. We are underworking, that's all. And you're just working harder trying to just get by than working hard. And I know and understand how depressing losing a job must be. And it can be debilitating. I'm not talking about that. For some of us, work is too, the work you do is too below you. You know what is truly below you? Not working at all. With wasting time on other people's money or other people's need of you. Get to work. Not many of you here are like this, but I must say it. Some are just looking for handouts like that is your job. That is not a job, though you've become very skilled at it. But it doesn't pay. Others pay. It is unjust before God and for others for you not to contribute and for yourself to not contribute and then take someone else's fair earned share of the pie. But there's a side of this that is sad and hard, isn't there? Because capitalism and capitalism in this country does not automatically mean that there will be jobs and just wages for those jobs. So the Bible here is calling us to not only work in the system, it is calling us to work on the system. Look at what the psalm scripture says here. Now, this scripture is about how a nation properly governed um, runs, and it includes some incredible biblical economic theory here. But look at what it says here in verse 3. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. And then in verse 16, may there be abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains. May it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. What we see here is a picture of economic prosperity. And it's based and founded in what? That there is opportunity to work and get enough from that work to make it. He talks about the mountains and the hills and grain. It is talking about having and being provided something to work on and in. And what we have here in part is a description of a system of economics that's worked to work for people to work. And so when it says that the people are blossoming, it means a system under which they are working is working for them to eat and live and prosper and multiply. They are growing and thriving and advancing. We who are under and in our system of capitalism are called to do justice by working on the system to make it work. And it may mean in this mixed capitalistic economy having more government regulations. I think about those Ponzi schemes. Y'all thought about those lately? And stuff like that where people lost their retirements in one day. I think about some of the folk at the top of those banks and companies, those folks should go to jail like any crack dealer, and their businesses should be surveillance like any low-income neighborhood. Could you see it? I'd love to see it in somebody else's neighborhood. Trade and try on, police cruisers rolling by real slow, profiling them. I got a WWR, walking while rich. Not looking for black hoodies or droopy pants, but guys on the corner. No, 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 it should be like a seat. They see a suspect. Dude in a suit, looking suspiciously happy and rich. Looking at stocks on a Blackberry. We'll do a shakedown and see if he breaks. 
Could you see suits being lined up on the curb outside of Bank of America? You know how that show on cops where they got the drugs and they throw it in the bushes? Could you see those guys throwing their blackberries in the bush? I saw you throw something over there. I don't know who that blackberry is. I don't know who that portfolio belongs to. Or maybe we should just hire Terry Tate, office linebacker. Check that out on YouTube. That's, that's funny. Okay, but maybe it means the government helping to provide more affordable ed educations and even to control deportation of jobs overseas and to monitor that there are fair wages and some of our valuable resources and regulate gas and food companies. We must make sure wages are equal for women in certain racial groups and start breaking the glass ceiling. Look, I know the issues are hot. And the ways to make it right are exponential. Because on the other side, it may mean it may be better with less government intervention to lower taxes on companies and people so they can hire more people and pay people higher wages because maybe the government is unjustly hurting our ability to work and for the system to work. Maybe then it's stopping your own golden parachutes and, and give right wages at the bottom. Speak up if your coworker is being underpaid and wrongly treated or if you are. Demand justice. Bring up some of those folk to the Better Business Bureau or the Department of Commerce or maybe the IRS. Julie Goff, member here who's starting to be a lawyer, emailed me a bunch of stuff on loan shark lending policies that flourish in this economic system. She's got great insight and help on that stuff. She's our future power to the people lawyer. But there's all kind of mess out there. When I moved here to Charlotte, man, there were a lot of bankers. I didn't know what being a banker was meant. Bankers? Wow, all these people, everyone's a vice president? Woo, this is something else. I didn't know any better. That was just a president, vice president, like our country. I didn't know there were 20,000 vice presidents. I didn't know. And they were like, hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm helping with Habitat for Humanity. I'm painting a house. Great. Told one person or a couple, Better not to paint a house for Habitat if you're not willing to get canned or not get the promotion or make the higher-ups mad over some sort of unjust lending policy that you're helping to promote. We don't need you to drive a nail more than we need you to go onto the top floor and demand justice. Get to the top. Be the boss if God's called you to, so you can bring justice. That is your God-given call to justice in the system it's not mine. My part <laughs> is making sure I'm not taking advantage of hustle man. You know, a guy who cuts your grass, giving him a little bit of money and a bottle of beer, knowing that a little bit of money won't matter because he can't say no to the beer. It's wrong. Yes, hustle man and crackhead cutting your lawn with a pair of scissors. It actually happened in Baltimore. Can I cut your grass? Sure, where's your lawnmower? I got these scissors. No lawnmower and some big scissors. If I hire them, I must pay fair wages for what I get. Even hustle man and crackhead with, a scissor, with scissors need justice and what we pay them. Look, here's the point. I am not an economist. I'm a preacher who is showing you that the Lord is calling us to seek and, do, and live with justice in the system of economics we find ourselves in. But living in this country in capitalism as God would have us is not all math and law, is it? Because the system like us is broken. So God has given justice a cousin, a twin, 
called mercy. And you can't have one without the other. These go hand in hand. The Lord calls not only for justice and capitalism, but mercy. If we look at, again, if you think about what it says in Ecclesiastes 11, it says, cast your bread upon many waters. And he's saying, you don't know what's going to work out. You don't know what's going to prosper when you start out doing what you do or investing in what you're investing. I mean, this is sort of a, a, a great insight in, in diversifying your portfolio, right? Cast your bread on many waters. You don't know what's going to happen. But then look at chapter 5 with me of Ecclesiastes. If you see... In a province, the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by higher, and there are yet higher ones over them, but this is gain for a land in every way a king committed to cultivated fields. That goes to our justice thing. Verse 10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Verse 11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or, much, little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. This, is also, this also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go, naked, of course, with nothing. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. What I want to let you guys know is prosperity, wealth, happens to people. The Bible makes clear that no one gets wealthy just because they're smart or work hard. Because according to Ecclesiastes, plenty of people work hard, but not everyone's idea or economic environment or skill set or market or mindset pays them well. Being wealthy or successful can come through hard work, but it does not happen because of hard work. That's a lie. Capitalism has a way of taking captive the hearts and minds of the prosperous and wealthy and those wanting to get economically secure and give that American dream and, and, and for them to try to seek that American dream and trick and twist them. It has tricked many of us to believe we are rewarded financially just because we work hard. And we begin to make stupid delineations and derivatives about hard work in American capitalism that our or their success proves that capitalism rewards hard work. And if you are poor or not as rich as them, you have not worked hard. No, it's because someone's hard work worked for them by no personal moral reason. And here's where the wealthy and prosperous and doing okay in this system need mercy. Wealth, as Ecclesiastes is teaching, can make you crazy. Trying to get that money can make you crazy. It can make you greedy and protective and living on the moral of it and watching over your money too much and make you stingy and be afraid that somehow someone who didn't work as hard is going to take your money and because you've worked so hard to get it it is up to you to keep it and keep it going and then the weight of having to deal with the demands and needs of people asking for your help and having money not knowing quite what to do with it and the tax laws and the government become your enemy that's why Ecclesiastes says 
the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Having more than you can spend in the lifetime of year is having more, and having more than enough can rot and ruin you. I've always asked God, let me be the rich guy who needs mercy. I have. I'm like, Lord, I worked in development office at, at Covenant Seminary as an intern, and I dealt with major donor relations. I mean, the amount of money these folk had, like walking around, burdened, got too much money. I know y'all laughing, it's true. Folk don't know what to do. Well, I don't know what to do with my money. I want to serve the kingdom. Some people make so much money. I've seen people who had so much money that their tithe is more than the church's budget. Yearly budget, sometimes by twice. What do you do? One tithe check, the church's budget is done. Yay! Better keep that guy happy. A woman or whoever. Women too. Don't get sexist on this one. I worked in that office. I seen him. But it's like the tag team preachers. You ever see those guys on living color? Guy comes in limping. It's a, it's a bad thing because it's the preacher stealing from people. But the guy comes in limping like this. He goes, I know why you're limping. Your wallet's too heavy for your pocket. Let me take it from your brother. But it's true. Ecclesiastes saying there's this great burden in having money in your pocket or trying to run after money. And I've said, Lord, let me have that problem. But chasing that dollar and keeping and managing can make you like a raw meat-eating animal. And some people inherit this burden because they got lucky or because someone left them with some money. And the text says, you know, it's, it, when it talks about living this way, it is even harder for the middle class, which is the meat of the capitalistic sandwich. We need mercy as those with buying power and yet who are never satisfied, who are in the rat race, who often carry debt on top of debt according to middle class empty economic promises, but who so easily can be replaced and lose it all in one day. The middle class are the gamblers of capitalism, and sometimes you lose, often because someone higher than you stack the debt and the debt, and you and I lose our jobs, your homes, and your lives, it feels oftentimes. We need mercy for our thinking and for our economic bondage. But this call to mercy is mainly aimed at the poor. Once to keep in mind the Ecclesiastes passages we read, but look at what Psalm 72 says in verses 2 through 4. May he judge your people with righteousness, king, and you're poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills and righteous, righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. And then verse 12, it says, For he delivers the needy when he calls, and the poor in him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence. He redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. The poor are struggling economically, interestingly enough, are described not as those who are lazy, but like those, according to the language, who have suffered in a disaster of war, who are prisoners of economic war that enslaves them. These are people who, ha who, who are how they are economically because they have been mistreated as human beings, not because they refused or didn't work 
or don't want to work necessarily. The scripture describes poverty as violence against a group of people. Now, where is the violence coming from? From an evil demonic world, from the devil himself, and then from an economic system of evil people that lets people run and rule like economic warlords and take and steal and use people. In large part, the things, the kind of things capitalism in this country feeds. It is being imprisoned economically because of the color of your skin or or whether you check the M or F box. Poverty, in large part, has not been produced or brought on by them. It has happened to them. My wife Kelly put a clever cartoon on Facebook recently. Of this white guy, that's just the way he was described. And this African-American slave, and the African-American slave bends over so the white guy can get on a ledge above that he couldn't get on by himself. And then when the African-American says, hey, help me up to get up there with you, he says that's reverse discrimination or reverse racism. That's real, y'all. Country's been built on the back of people who have not yet recovered from the poverty of being mistreated as a group. And when you go to help them, oh, that's reverse racism now. I watched a documentary about the, is it Cabrini Green, the South Side of Chicago projects. And this was a group of African-American middle-class people who came back from war, and these are people who had, you know, good jobs. And they tried to move into the suburbs and spend their money in other neighborhoods and spread it around. And because of racism, they were forced and not allowed to move out. And they built projects. The government built projects. And it was great. Oh, man, these spacious apartments, 60 floors high, 30 floors high, whatever. Oh, people were happy. It was a way to stack people you didn't want to spread out. Now it's a ghetto, poverty. Now it's a new economic ghetto right here in Charlotte, right, from market collapse. All in these nice neighborhoods, living on credit, and mama and daddy. But here's what happens with oppression and economics. It generates a disease we know as poverty, whose side effects, I said side effects, are crime and drugs and depression and apathy and fear and set on laziness and family breakage. We would all agree to some degree that wealth builds wealth. Everybody talks about that. We build wealth on top of wealth. You own a house and securities, your kids don't start at zero. With good schools and homes and private schools and neighborhoods with good schools and connections within those schools, they will build and build and climb up and have the opportunity to do so. Well, the same is true about poverty. It continues down. That's why in verse 4 it says the children of the needy are helped. And it talks about generations here. There is this disease of poverty that breeds the other way to the next generation that builds downward into what you and I may see as apathy towards work and education. It is in part because of years of despair and frustration. And how dare we say things flippantly like, why can't those people just get a job? And why are their homes sometimes so messy? Or why do they have rims on their cars? 
Or why do they have big screen TVs? And if they don't have money, why are they smoking cigarettes? And if they got money, why they got liquor? Why? Because they just happen to have the same disease as you do. They are hoping that having things can make them feel better. And when they can't, they get depressed. But they don't have the health insurance or money to go or send themselves or their kids to counseling and get psychiatric help and get Prozac and Ambien and Depakote and Lexapro and Ridlin. The economically unfortunate express in an impoverished way because they are trapped in a disaster and oppression of poverty of things that just didn't work out. Of a mistake made that, that held them back, that, that didn't hold the next guy back. Of one relationship that got him the job and lost the job for another. So stop judging and analyzing and making blanket statements and fight the power for people who are powerless. We are called to defend, to be violent. The psalm says to crush all things that would keep or hurt the poor or keep the needy, needy. Or like verse 13 says, to just have pity. To not have a plan for their lives, but to have pity. When I moved to Baltimore, okay, I grew up in a neighborhood. I told Kelly, I told you all this, I'm from the hood, Kelly. She says, what's your street address? Nine Trichelle. Nobody in the hood has a single-digit street address. I live in a cul-de-sac. How many homes on your street? Twelve. That ain't the hood. I went to Baltimore, and I was like, man, there's a lot of poverty here. I thought it was my job as a church and as a person in their minds of means. Now, you move to a place, another place, you're like, do you have means that totally makes something, something, means something different? Because I know people got a million dollars in the bank, and they say, we don't have no money. So, but I thought it was my job to make everybody middle class. It's not what the scripture says. Is it our job to make everybody middle class? Is that what we're here doing? Is that what it means to have mercy? That one day everybody will have a suburban home or, or nice this or nice that? Is that what the scripture is saying? It says have mercy. It says, have pity. Now, we combine that with some good dignity-building, job-getting kind of stuff. Now, okay, listen, I will need another sermon in class and book to talk about the many ways to do that, but our capitalism must become the friend of the mercy and be an enemy of those who are crushed. It may mean nonprofit health, so yes, some government welfare, which is the same word as comfort in the Bible. God comforts us. God gives us welfare. But y'all don't believe in welfare. God believes and does welfare to support, it may mean to support food stamps and, and, and better, uh, uh, you know, job loss benefits and homeless shelters and good mixed income housing in everybody's neighborhood and community, not just the poor parts of town. And yes, to be free food and free clothes. It means sometimes, not all the time, because that can be undignifying to others too, but sometimes just getting taken advantage of. Plan to get taken advantage of by taking your advantages and putting them in the hands of somebody else who needs them. Yes, because they made a mistake or had bad judgment or got themselves in a bind or bit off more than they could chew to lead them, as a mission statement says, to the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. 
But you know what? You and I will lose our minds and hearts trying to have this all balanced out within ourselves in our capitalistic world. We got into a little discussion about how to fix this economic system, we would have a fight on our hands. Even your elders, we got together, remember Todd, before the elders retreat, we talked about capitalism and hard work and all that means, and whoo, me and Georgia were just trying to be the devil's advocate. We were just throwing all kind of stuff, and you guys, the banking, you know stuff, oh, you know all kind of good stuff. And Todd was like, how, I mean, uh, Bill was like, Howard, you just need to read more. Oh, how dare you say that to me? But anyway, um, like, he, more, he better read. So, you know, you can read a lot and still not be able to put it all together. You see what I'm saying? No, he's probably smarter than me in this area. You know, whatever. But he still might not be right. Smart people can be wrong, too. There are too many factors. That's why the Lord calls for righteousness. Righteousness. The king in this psalm, I'm not going to reread the psalm. Pointing ahead to Jesus Christ, the king that makes things prosper, has pity on the poor. Whoa, time's getting away. Jesus doesn't do taxes. The psalm says he wants it all. He wants to take on the way you do economics and how the economy has done you. Capitalism in this country wants you, wants to be your God and suck you and me drive and embarrass and humiliate you and make you feel like less than a man or woman. And strange enough, we still expect it to be our savior and make us right. And on the other hand, we have settled with it being our oppressor. But God's king, Jesus, comes and he won't let it win. He is and will finally force it to serve his sense and call of economic justice, mercy, and righteous. Understand, you and I are victims and perpetrators in this American system of capitalism. You and I are all incredible, gullib- incredibly gullible and easy pickings. God, have mercy on you, for you are being mistreated, and your dignity is being sucked out. Your humanity is being destroyed and tainted. You and I have become the animals, the, the low-life organisms and mechanisms that make capitalism work, and many times it leaves us wanting. You know what Jesus says about that? Verse 4, may he depend the cause of the poor, the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Jesus became the worst victim and worst perpetrator of unjust and unmerciful capitalism on the cross. And by God's just economy, he had to pay for sins done by us and to us. That's mercy. He suffered the violence of the world's economy and resultant greed and poverty, and then in a move of economic mercy, he forgave our debts and freed those who would be his from having to be taken by this system to free their hearts and lives from his diseased poverty and deadly wealth. Jesus had to die for economic sin and oversights of his people in this country, and he reigns. He reigns. He reigns over money. And it will not be the final figure and scale of justice and mercy and righteousness. For those struggling, God's got you. Jesus reigns. For those prospering, God's got you. God have mercy on you. He reigns. For those of you caught in between, God and Christ has got you covered. Rise up, God's people in this world for justice and mercy rise and become God's people. God might curse capitalism. 
for the lies and ills it breeds. But in Christ, God bless you by breaking capitalism's hold on your heart and life and use it in this world and in this country for your and others' good and his glory. God, thank you for Christ. I want the next time you watch one of the economic shows or see the ticker going across the screen, I want you to think Jesus reigns. That the Lord died and he rose for the way the economy hurts us and holds us captive. There's not one sector of this country in which he is not Lord. Amen?